Good morning, folks. Haven't been on here for a while, but welcome to another edition of the Morning Glory Sessions. So, um, this one's a pretty strange one for me. Not a strange one, it's an emotional one for me. I, uh, I turned 44 on Friday, and I spent the weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, doing um, Amazonian plant medicines, Cambo, Rappi, Yapo, Ayahuasca, Buffalo, uh, Buffalo virus. And I've been in psychedelics for years. I've been pretty open about this. I've always believed psychedelics are definitely a way to expand the mind and to tap into unknown potentials and probably heal us for a bit. But the, this was my first shamanic experience, shall we say, the, the first time ever that I had went down to a proper organized event with with uh, experienced shamans and experienced the ritual of the ayahuasca, the Amazonian plant medicines. Now, I went down with a lot of expectations, shall we say. Um, from my experience with DMT, which is pretty profound, to be honest, I've done, I've done DMT well over 150 times. Um, I knew not the, that, but with DMT, you get what you need, not what you want. DMT never gives you what you actually want and no journey's ever the same. So I went down with this, with this sort of understanding, this knowledge that that would be the same occurrence, but never in my life did I, did I expect to have this, um, this journey of emotions that literally that blew me away. Like I, I, I said in the clipper, I, I had to had to walk through the fires of hell to get to, to get to the gates of heaven. And I fuck did it put me through the fires of hell. Like, the first of all, I have to I have to admit that the the lead the lead shaman Joe, she's now my angel, but up until the before virus experience, I absolutely despise this woman, and this is why I'm calling it his my own medicine. This woman read me like a fucking book. She could see inside my very soul. I knew exactly what was going on with me before I knew what was going on with me, and for I'm 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 going to be I'm going to be forever grateful for what she done for me and how she treated me. She treated me like an absolute asshole, and without her doing that to me, I don't think I would be the person I am today. I am a completely changed person. Ayahuasca didn't really do it for it; didn't do much for me. It did a bit, but not too much. But the Bufo virus, it's changed my life. And what happened was. The first night we went down, like I said, I, I knew not to anticipate, but I couldn't help anticipating what the journey was going to be like. And so the first night we went in and we done the, Gail and I both went down and we done the um, the ayahuasca ceremony. And it was it was pretty, it was, first of all, we done uh, the Campbell, which is like CME burns. It's like the, the Amazonian toad, it's a toad to scrape off and then to burn your skin and then to put the Campbell on your skin. And you drink loads of water and then you vomit everything up. And three of these is like the Amazonian um, vaccine, right? And it, it's, it's a pretty weird experience. But Gail's face literally swelled up four times normal size. I shit myself. I actually thought something was going to happen. She was dying because her face literally swelled up like a spit in the stomach. Don't me. But the night of the ay ayahuasca ceremony, we drank the ayahuasca, which was like really strong. Like, right, this is the first time I'd done ayahuasca. Um, so it tastes like really strong, really overpowering strong licorice. Was disgusting but drinkable it's only a small cup so you drank that 
sat down and the, the music was playing. And I was noticing all these, and like you started vomiting, you purge your body and everyone was purging. And uh, all I got was the shits. I got seriously, seriously bad dose of shits and I uh, spent a lot of night on the bog. Now, a lot of people got amazing trips out of this, but I got fuck all. I really got like, I'd like I'd done about one and a half, two grams of mushrooms. It was just very light, like the walls breathing type of things. You know, if you've done acid, you've done mushrooms, you'll understand what I mean. Um, I got that sort of thing, but I didn't get much from it. And the next day, I found myself getting very angry about the fact that nothing was working for me, that this ayahuasca didn't work for me. And everyone else was getting getting things. And I found myself disconnecting from the group. And it was almost like the inner me, that inner child, that seven-year-old child me, which I'll talk about in a minute, um, was throwing a tantrum. And I didn't, and I didn't want to get involved in anything. So I stepped away. Gail was getting really upset because I was getting down. And I started noticing the triggers coming back. I went for a walk myself and I started noticing the triggers. And my triggers for, for my suicidal thoughts and tendencies are always, I look at a tree and I, I think to myself, I could hang myself with that tree. Or I start talking to myself in the third person and I talk about how I died. So how I've died, like maybe talking, having a conversation, me having a conversation with, with uh, as two people, the two of my friends saying, hey, did you hear Paul died? Oh my God, did Paul died? That's the way I, my, that's my triggers when I'm usually thinking suicide. So I felt those triggers coming along. And um, I, there's this thing called integration where the next day after the ayahuasca journey, we all meet up and we all discuss our own experiences. And I decided to stay away from that because I didn't want to be near people. I, was, I wasn't liking the people. I wasn't liking anyone. I was just not liking myself, basically. And then the next night, I wasn't even going to do the ayahuasca journey because I was feeling really down. And I can remember walking towards the door. I built up the, I built up the staff, right? I'm going to do this. And I walked towards the, the, the room where we're going to do the integration, which ironically, by the way, Michael Jackson lived there for nine months in 1984, which is pretty cool. And he recorded all the music in that room we were in. So I was pretty cool, not in the nostalgia trip there. But um, I walked in the room and I seen Joe walking down, the head shaman. And she goes, you come in, I was like, I'm feeling, I'm feeling a bit suicidal. And she goes, yeah, well, it's up to you. Um, we're doing a ceremony, so I can't be here. So are you coming there or not? And I was I was shocked. I was like, what? And uh, she said, are you coming in? I was like, no. And she goes, okay, and slammed the door. And just fucking treated me like an absolute dick. And put me back. And I was really angry at this. And I was fucking, I was fuming. And I was, I was like, fuck it, this is it. There's not worth living here. And I was starting to think the suicidal thoughts again. And... One of the other shamans, Peter, who I, I do a lot to, he was a, he's a legend for me, with me, so he was. He came up and started talking to me, and he started talking about tough love and how Joe, you had to trust Joe, and she knew what you needed, and she was done this so many times before. He just had to believe in her, and I couldn't do this. I was too, I was too much of a victim at this point. I was throwing a tantrum, throwing a huff, and I went to, but then he convinced me to come in, and I'd done the ayahuasca, and <laughs> it was the worst idea of my life because. Something happened, but the corner I was in, Gail went fucking boogaloo for two and a half hours, rolling about the floor, screaming, just doing crazy. They had, she had what's called an unconscious process, and um, she doesn't remember two and a half hours. There was other girls running about doing crazy shit, and I was very angry. I was getting angry. Now. I don't want to get into I'm not going to go into personal details, but something happened in that corner that sort of freaked the fuck out of me. And... Um, I had to do a shamanic cleanse afterwards because of it, because it was so crazy. There was like a spurt or something or a curse put on it. It was crazy. I know it sounds mad, but you have to believe me. So the next day, I get up and I was even angrier. The ayahuasca had made me angrier, even angrier. Now, right now, 
<coughs> I'm pretty much convinced that the ayahuasca was giving me what I needed. What Joe was asking me to do was get and connect with my rage, the, the inner rage, the rage that I've been building up for the last 30, 40 years. I had to, she wanted me to connect with that and release it. But obviously, when someone comes up and says, you know, like, I want you to release your rage. Come on, we're from fucking West Belfast here. It's not like, it sounds mad, you know, you're, you're, and you're like, you're nuts. Fuck you. I'm going to go back to the old me. I'm not going to listen to that. So I didn't understand what she meant. And um, the ayahuasca was getting me angrier and angrier. And I was in the van. See, it's cut. That's from my headbutt. I headbutted. I was so angry that I headbutted the inside of the van and split myself open to the skull. Gail freaked out. It was nah, But this is this was, I think, the ayahuasca started to work. I think this was the starting process of the entire Bufo virus journey. And I don't know if ayahuasca knew I was going to do this. I know it sounds mad, but something tells me she knew I was going to do this. So... A headbutt, I screamed, and I broke into tears. I burst into tears in the van, and Gail was holding, my head, holding lots of towels and all my head. The blood was pissing out. But at this point, I was screaming my rage, and I was crying uncontrollably. It probably lasted about 10 minutes, and then I sort of calmed down, and I decided to go into the integration, this day, that day's integration. And when I went into the integration, we started talking, and I started talking, and we all have our own time to talk, and she asked who wants to talk, and I put my hand on it. So I've been feeling pretty suicidal, and straight away she went, no, you're not. I was like, what? And I was like, you're not going to kill yourself. And I was like, fuck, that's risky to say to someone who's fucking feeling suicidal because at that point, I genuinely felt like I was suicidal. Okay, I felt these suicidal tendencies come back. And I was pretty, I was, I don't know if I was nervous about it, I was annoyed, I can't really describe the emotion I was in. But she just called me out and that shit straight away. And Gail was a wee bit freaked out. Gail was going, Jesus, please, Joe, go a wee bit easier on him. He's struggling here. And she was thinking there, so she'd tell me this later. And there was a couple of other people come up and said to me, fuck, how do you feel about that? And I was like, well, whatever happened. At, the, at that time when they spoke to me, I was glad she done it. I was over the moon she done it. I'm so grateful for her doing this to me. But after the integration, the Bufo virus journey happened. And there was only eight of us doing it. And there was about 25 of us doing the whole retreat. So the others went up to the upstairs balcony where they could watch us. And we all lay down. And I was the first one to actually go. And it was Joe giving me it. And I don't know whether Joe was giving, Joe, this is purposeful or just coincidence that Joe was the one looking after me. But she, she, she'd give me the, it's so you get, it's like a crack pipe, you know, like a big glass bulb and you put the, you put the, um, before viruses, the sore and toad, basically the, the stretch the toad out, scrape off basically what's in essence is BO, dry it out and then you smoke that. And it, it's literally, it's 5-MOO DNT, so it's like the strongest DNT you can get. It's, whoa. Whoa, here we go. So this is this now this journey. This is gonna sound insane. Okay. But I can I've pieced this together with my memories and what everyone else told me. Because my experience in my time frame lasted about one and a half, two minutes. In reality, in the world we live in today, it lasted about 25. So I have no I have no time I have no memory of time. And I've got a few things mixed up, but the majority of things are right. So I inhaled it and I took a long deep inhale. I'm pretty experienced doing this. So I knew to take it slow, inhale slowly and just like inhale the vape. It's not smoke, it's vape. So I inhaled all the vape in, held it as long as I could, blew it out, took another big blast of the vape. And then I felt, before I even lay down, I was laid down, I felt everything go white. So if you imagine like the, the way you see things now, divide up into tiny, tiny squares and make them 3D. So they're all like going in and out, bringing out and, they were coming in like that, and this whiteness came over me. 
and it completely swamped my vision. And at that point, I knew that I had experienced death. I know it sounds mad, but that's what I was experiencing. I was experiencing actual death. And from there, from this point, I panicked. There was a lot of panic in me. I was like, the, not being willing to accept the fact that I was dying. And then this, this sort of wave of acceptance came over me. And I accepted that I'm dying and this is what I've got to accept. And then the, the, the scores I was talking about, they became the pixelated scores became very small. And there's a going. They became very small pastel, pastel colored scores of yellows and pinks and blues. Beautiful colors, absolutely beautiful colors. And my daughter Sive was there. Now I, I figured out why Sive was there. Basically, there's been the, the shaman Joe. She was telling us it was ancestral trauma passed down from from mother to child in the womb, and that this ancestral trauma had been passed down, and that what I was doing was I was I, in, in this journey. I was telling Sive that I was dying, and that she was going to go on her she was going to go on her life herself, but it was she was going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine, and she was go, she was going to get on with life perfectly, and she was going to be strong. And around her, when I was telling Saib the story, there were seven flames, like candle flames. But I can't really the candle flames is the best thing I can I can use to describe it. But it wasn't candle flames, but it was like these sort of like orange flickering lights. And instinctively, I realized that those were the seven children I lost in um, through abortions and or sorry, one abortion that the, my ex my ex fiance had before I didn't know about it, and six miscarriages. So these children were the were these these flames were my children, and I can remember telling Sive that it was okay. She was going to go on right now. Now now I know that what I was doing was I was breaking the ancestral trauma. That was me not telling Sive I was dying, but I was telling Sive that this part of me is dead, and that she can now live her life without the worry. Or that I can live, I, I can I can live my life without the worry of her receiving my ancestral trauma. Because genuinely, this is something I've noticed for years, for seven years or Sive. Sive is very much like me, and uh, I could see a lot of traits in me. And I was worried about this because I could see her getting the emotional traits that I got as a child, and I knew where this was was this was heading. And to be honest, Sive was the real was, was the main reason why I done this journey. And I can actually remember there's this this bracelet here. I got this bracelet on her first birthday, and it says, um, uh, my hero since 2013. And I can remember before I went into the room, I was terrified. I was really emotionally scarred. I, like, I was crying. I was fucked up in the head, and I was like scared to go in, and it, I was embarrassed, and it was all this emotion was going on. And I remember I had my hand on the wall like that, and I looked up, and I seen my hero since the, the tears. Like, by the way, I'll probably cry at this because that's something else has happened. I've just started crying like a crazy woman. It's insane. I just can't stop crying these days. So um, I remember looking up at that and thinking, right, this is for Saib. And that's why I went in it. So Saib was a big part of the journey. I then can remember something else happened that I can't put the piece together, but I can remember coming on my hands and knees and feeling this urge to want to vomit. And there were, I was in, I was in consciousness, but I was not conscious. Okay, I, was, I, I can remember things happening, but I wasn't fully conscious. I would be, I'd have been 80% in the Bufo journey and 20% in our reality. And I can remember being on my hands and knees 
and rocking back and forth. And I was repeating to myself, um, pain or suffering, pain or suffering, pain or suffering, pain or suffering, over and over again. And this was due with Joe, who told us throughout the whole weekend, you've got an option. You can you can suffer a small amount of pain or you can you can deal with a lifetime of suffering. And it was very powerful. That, 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 that is a quote that stayed in my head, pain or suffering. And it's relevant to everyone's life, you know, and it, it's applicable to like training. Do you know, do you want to suffer a bit? Do you want to go through a bit of pain to get the body you want? Or do you want to live the rest of your life in the, with the body you have and the, how you feel? So it was this pain, I was saying pain or suffering, pain or suffering, pain or suffering. And I felt this urge to be sick. Now, when I was doing the ayahuasca on both nights previous, the vomiting, I was vomiting pretty violently, but there was something here in my throat. But it wasn't physical. And I know it sounds mad, but it wasn't physical. There was something like the only the, the, the quickest way I could describe it would be spiritual. Okay, there was some spirit, something trapped in my throat, and I could feel no matter how hard I tried to throw up, it would never come out. It just wouldn't want to come out, and it was getting me really frustrated. And I can actually remember fucking praying. I'm not religious, but trying to ask, I can remember praying, going, "Jesus, just get this thing out of me." That was how mad it was. Right? It was like crazy. But as as I was going through this process of the Buffalo virus. The shamans caught on that something was happening to me and they came around and they started beating their drums. And the drum, like, honestly, I this is, this is a sensation I'll never forget to my dying day. The drums were beating louder and louder and louder and louder. And I felt the energy of the drums getting louder and louder. And I wanted to be sick and I, I started to be sick. And I, I vomited first on the floor. And I remember... It was pink. My vomit was pink for some reason. Don't know why. Maybe I was just tripping that. But my vomit was pink. And there was this like worm-like creature swimming through the vomit on the floor. And But I knew there was there wasn't something else in there. I had to get it out. And uh, I started really vomiting hard. Like I, I pushed hard. And the drums were getting harder and harder and harder. And blood and louder. And I vomited everything up. And I, they gave me a bucket. And I remember scraping. I was going fucking pain or suffering, pain or suffering, pain or suffering, pain or vomiting. And uh, the blood was tripping down my face because it was scraping the cut. It was just fresh an hour, half an hour ago. Um, it was blood down my face. It was scraping off the bucket. And then this, this, this anger came over me. I thought, it anger? I don't know. It was this force came over me. And I let this, this scream out. Now, I, I can. this is something I can clearly remember. I remember the scream being so loud and so not my voice that I can actually remember thinking to myself, what the, f who's making that noise? And this is the crazy thing, right? It, it, I felt the urge to scream starting from my hip, the damaged hip, the hip, I've got the hip, I need the hip raised on. And I came up through my stomach and just came out and I just unleashed this unmerciful, and just fucking screamed. And this scream kept going on and on and in my head, it kept going on and on and on and on and on for what felt like hours. And then I jumped up, or did I jump up? I think I might have started crying at that point. I can't remember, I think I will say I started crying. I thought I cried a bit, but I can remember jumping up, or like as if the, as if the, the buffalo virus just wore off me instantly. And I jumped up and I was confused. And I can remember looking around and Joe, the shaman, was beside me and I went to walk towards her to give her a hug and you could see the fear in her face almost. And she stepped back and like shocking, she put her drummer maracas thing up and told me to stay away and one of the other shamans came over to me peter the guy that, that i owe a lot to 
he came over and he put his hand on my heart and then he seen me sort of sump and he gave me a hug and then Joe came over to me and I um I held Joe and the second I held Joe I literally broke into tears like I have never saw before. I have never cried this intensely or this hard or this prolonged in my life. It was it was like it was like 40 years of built up anger and tension just came flowing out of my body. And I collapsed on there. This woman's fucking she must be 60 kilo with that. I'm 95 kilo. And I'm not a small dude. And I'm hugging her and I'm holding her. And that poor woman held me for about three minutes before the others came over and they lifted me off her and they put me down and they had to support me. I had no, no energy and no strength. And I fell, I sort of lay in the fetal position and I started crying. And I, I was continuing crying and I, re, I was repeating, I'm sorry, mommy, 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 over and over and over and over again. And the reason I was doing that was because when Gail and I lost Thor, baby Thor in October, my mum and I fell out, my mum and dad and I fell out and I haven't spoke to them since that moment. I, I like, in fact, on my birthday, she tried to contact me and I sent her the most horrible, disgusting, fuck you, you never speak to me again message I could ever think of because it was so angry. This was the point when I, she just texted me at the wrong time. I was angry. And she texted Gail actually because I had blocked her. And, um, so I just texted, so I, te so I texted, fuck you, don't ever speak to me or fucking cunt. I hope you die. You, uh, I was evil. It was horrible. I'm disgusted at myself writing it. And um, so I was repeating, I'm sorry, mommy, I'm sorry, mommy, I'm sorry, mommy, I'm sorry, mommy, I'm sorry, mommy. And then it's like every pain, every bit of suffering, every bit of turmoil I've ever had in my life. That's that's that I've always had these not schizophrenic voices, but I'm sure we all do it. You know, we just talk to yourself. But I've it's never silent. My my head was never silent. I used to say to Gail, I used to cry to Gail. Something go, Gail. All I want to do, I just want ten minutes of silence. I just want to know what it's like to not have these constant voices going in your head talking about everything. Since that moment, I have not had a noise in my brain. I have, I literally feel lighter. People are saying I look younger, though I doubt that. But I feel younger. And the most crazy fucking thing, and anyone who knows me, if you watch these, you know my hip is bad. I can squat again. I can jump. I can run. I've barely got any pain. My mobility has increased by about 50%. And this happened literally the second I jumped up like that. Now, if you don't believe me or not, is irrelevant to me. I don't care. I'm telling you what happened and the experience I had from the before virus. Now we went in and done the um another crazy thing that happened a lot that night was and I didn't even tell that girl, but Gail knows this. I told Gail, I told Gail this happened the moment it happened. And then when we found it the next day, I was like, holy shit. But there was um on that book, on the next ayahuasca journey that night, the last ayahuasca journey, it was a, it was a beautiful experience. I have to say, it was one of the most beautiful, loving experiences. Oh, sorry, the shamanic cleanse. So we done the shamanic cleanse. Is another important part. We done the shamanic cleanse of the room because of this curse that a bar something or something happened that they don't. <laughs> they fuck you. Um, that that so basically they let us all down, right? They sat us all down on the chairs and they got sage. And they went through each one of us, and it was a really beautiful experience. I have to say, like it, there was there was love, there was love being what they're doing, and it was beautiful. The, the saddest there, and we had our hands out like this, and they dosed us with the feathers and the the palm leaves and whatever, and the sage and whatever incense, and they were beating the drums and they were doing this, and once everyone got everyone's got done like that, 
Um, they went and brought no so fuck sorry. When the drums and the uh, Buffalo Irish thing, the drums beating all drums and everyone else was going crazy. But everyone else got their demon, whatever it was, fucking exercise, whatever you want to call it. But afterwards, there was a melt. There was a real feel in the room, like 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 not an evil presence, but you know, you could feel it. You had to be there, but you could feel this presence. Well, I could, and other people said they could. And they brought these sound bowls out and these chimes, and they went around and they they could. From going from the heavy, angry drums to this beautiful chime sound, the energy in the room changed. And then the shamanic cleanse, they brought, they, they'd done more, and we felt the room literally lift the energy, lift out of the room, and this new energy come in. And it was like, it was just full of love and peace and, and quietness and contentment. It was gorgeous, it was beautiful. So when we went into the ayahuasca journey, the music was beautiful. It was soft, it was gentle on like you last in the night before, which was which when we done the Yapo. I'll come back to that. And um the uh, the music was angry. So it was beautiful and full of love and everyone was chilled out, relaxed and I was almost sleeping. And like the ayahuasca wasn't giving me any visuals, but it was giving me this beautiful wave feeling of like contentment and love and compassion and it was, it was I just it was it was one of the nicest feelings I've ever had in my life to be honest when I fit when feeling that and I can remember I was near sleeping and the the silence and the beautiful music was broken pierced by this high pitched like almost demonic female scream and it scared the sweet fucker to me and not only scared the fucker to me but I felt something go back inside of me. I know it sounds crazy right but I did, I felt this thing hit me and I felt here and I was like that, that sort of sickening feeling came back in my throat. And I said to Gail, Gail, I feel something like almost evil in me. I can feel this thing inside of me. I don't know. I need to be sick. But I didn't want to be sick. Someone was telling me to be sick. So I was like, I need to be sick. I need to be sick. And um, I picked my bag up to be sick. And as I picked my bag up, a couple of other people at the exact same time started vomiting. And the three of us, I think it was three of us, just started puking our guts up and they're all throwing the stuff in their bag. And then the girl who was having the problem, who was having the experience, the, 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 the like beating the pillow and screaming, she started vomiting. And then once I vomited, I felt better again. I felt relaxed. And I was able to go back to my trip. But the next day I spoke to her and she goes to me, Paul, I want to thank you. I needed to get something out of me, but I couldn't be sick. And you're being sick give me the strength to allow me to vomit. And I was like, well, that's, that was a bit mad because 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 of what I'd said to Gail, I'd felt something going into me. It was almost like a presence that entered me and then came out. But yeah, there was an experience. Now, listen, the other thing was the Yopo. The Yopo we done, which was like, it's like the masculine version of the Bufo of ours. The Bufo of ours is the female, or is the, the feminine entity. This one, the, the Yopo is the, the, um, the, the masculine entity. So we'd done that the night before. It blows up your nose. Horrible experience. Not the nicest feeling at all. But um, no, no, no one else liked it. I absolutely fucking loved it. It was the one thing that I just thought, wow, is it? Now, if you've ever done MMA, boxing, you ever walked into that cage, you're walking into the ring with your, your, your corner around you and you've got your friends, your team around you. That's, that, that's sort of the way I felt here. I remember there was a, one, of the, one of the facilitators, Shannon's column, he was down on his knees Putting um, he was loading up the Yopo into for another person, but everything went very cartoon like to me. And I was in it, I was in the Amazon jungle. That's the way it was like the Amazon jungle, and Colin was on his knees. I was one hand, one knee, like a hunting, like the hunter squat, and he had a spear in his hand. And behind him, 
there were warriors all behind him and the drums were beating and it was really aggressive, very angry drum beats, like very powerful. And I could feel these, and I was like, boom, boom. And they're beating the spears, they, 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 they were beating the spears of the drum. And I was like, they were calling me to come to battle. And it was this amazing, like powerful, masculine feeling of like power, you know, strength of like, you were going to defend your family. There was no fear. You didn't care if you were going to die. It was it was this overwhelming, like warrior feeling. It was it was unfucking believable. But back to my next stand up thinking about it. But it was a phenomenal experience. But yeah, <laughs> that is my weekend. Now listen. Is it for everyone? I don't know. I don't know, but I'll tell you one thing. I don't know why this is not being used for people. What I learned was my suicidal tendencies, my suicidal thoughts, everything that I thought that I, the reason why I haven't killed myself, always wanted to have was because I didn't want to die. I didn't want to kill myself. What I want to do was free myself from my seven-year-old self, my inner child, my the child, the child within me, the seven-year-old child that's just experienced trauma, was dictating most of my actions, most of my life, and that bufo of ours allowed me to not kill him off, but shall we say free myself of him, and that was with the death. I so I was dying. I that that the bufo I died, and I was reborn, and I was reborn as me now, Paul Murray, the forty-four-year-old man, and. I genuinely, I can't experience it. This is something you have to understand. You have to experience yourself. But I am a different person. And people who have met me are going, what the fuck's going on with him? Like, I'm crying. I, I don't cry, really. But, like, I'm crying fucking for no reason whatsoever. Just all, it's like it's like a tap's been turned on. I can't turn it off now. Just, I'm, I'm filled, filled with love and compassion for so many people. So, people that I was just already hating, I'm like, I don't care anymore. Life is not... What, what I think is important, what I thought was important uh, on Wednesday and Thursday morning isn't important now. There's so much more to life. There's so much more important things. And it's, yeah, it's it's been the most um, profound experience of my life and one that I think that every human being should do. In fact, I jokingly say, without being a joke, that if you want to run for, as a politician to be prime minister or president, you should be forced. One of the requirements should be that you have to go through one of these retreats because I would say a lot of the people in power are in power because of their ego. And when you experience the ego death, you um, you become a different person. You, you definitely are. You, you, there's, there's no hiding. With the proof of ours, no matter what, you can't hide. You can't hide from your subconscious. You, you, well, for me, you were put in the position where it was make or break. You could not get out of it. You couldn't run away from it. You had to face it. And it was the making of me. It was, it, and I can remember actually saying to myself, this is what I've been training for. <laughs> I remember this clearly. It's like all my MMA fights, all my martial arts experience, all my coaching, my grappling, my fighting, whatever. It felt like, and I was saying this, it felt like it was, this was the moment. This was, this was what it was leading to. This moment, this exact moment, this battle, and it was the hardest, most violent, emotional battle I've ever been through. There's nothing anyone could do. I will never face a fight with any human being or anything that was more intimidating, more overpowering, 
more scary than what I experienced in that 25 minutes. I felt like one and a half. It, it, it's life-changing. And to those at AI, Jesus, I can't thank you enough. He's changed my life. He's, you've not only changed my life, you've, you've changed my children's lives. You've, you've, you've allowed me to be in with, to be with my children. And I can't thank you enough for it. So thank you very much.